There's no doubt about it. Who you are is inextricably wrapped up in where you've been and completely influences where you're headed. But we couldn't head anywhere when the pandemic stopped overseas travel in its tracks. Will travel, especially to Europe, ever be the same? I'm Bill Schaefer along with Mark Middleton, and this is Growing Bolder. Today, we will explore that and other things that recharge our souls, reset our outlook, and reshape our our attitudes. Man, I need a little bit of all of that, Bill. You know, one of the most important factors, yet one that is most often ignored, is our sleep. None of us get enough. But we can improve the quality of the sleep we get, at least so says expert Catherine Nikolai, who says how we fall asleep makes a big difference in how well we sleep. She'll have some tips that you can actually try out tonight. But first, he is a public television travel show icon. None other than Rick Steves is here to share his thoughts on what your next European vacation could look like when we finally reemerge from the pandemic. Ordinary people extraordinary lives. That's Growing Bolder. Hey, I'm Bill Schaefer with Mark Middleton, and this is Growing Bolder, a program with a refreshing perspective on aging that encourages you to have new adventures, new experiences, to meet new people, and to explore new cultures as well. And the best way to do that is through travel, something that was almost all but wiped out by the pandemic. The entire travel industry has had to rethink everything. And so has the person more associated with it uh, than anybody else could think of. Yeah, I got to tell you, Bill, I'm very excited about this interview. This guy has been a piano teacher, a writer, a consultant, but of course, he's best known uh, as being maybe, you know, for my money, the most popular uh, travel show host of all time. His American public television show, Rick Steves Europe, is now in its 11th season on public television. But, you know, we're, we're very privileged to be able to chat with him because there are so many questions right now related to travel. So uh, let's bring in the man himself, Rick Steves. Steve's, who's joining us from his home uh, in Seattle. Rick, how are you doing today? Well, I'm doing very well, considering everything. Thank you. Uh, you, you know what? Uh, you're not only doing well, you're doing good. I don't know whether this is true or not, but, but you know, the pandemic has shut down just about everything, has shuttled businesses, employees have been let go. I read that you've got nearly 100 employees and you have somehow managed to keep them all employed during this time. Is that true? And how did you do it? Well, yeah, I run a business. I happen to be privately held, so I don't need to ask questions about what I'm going to do with my uh, business decisions. And, uh, you know, for 30 years, I've had good years and made plenty of money, and I've got a great staff of about 100. And now I'm being dealt a couple of bad years. And I just think it's um, it's ethical to keep my team together. Uh, I, I should be with my team through good times and bad. They're with me in good times. I'll be with them in bad times. Uh, plus, it's just good business to have my team intact because I know we're going to get through this and we're going to throttle up when we get through the pandemic. And I want my team to be intact so that we can, um, once again, uh, help Americans enjoy Europe with all of our tours. So uh, last uh, couple of years, we were thriving. We're a $100 million company, um, a payroll of 100 people, just having a blast. This year, we were geared up for our best year ever. We had almost, uh, last year, we took 30,000 people around Europe. This year, we had 22,000 tickets already sold for our tours. But uh, suddenly, this tsunami swept over us of this pandemic, and now we had to give everybody their money back. But we said, we're going to be around when this is over. 
So in the meantime, we're just going to kind of trim the sails and hunker down and uh, we're going to um, work on content uh, and keep our staff together uh, and uh, still share our love of travel. You know, our mission is to inspire Americans to venture beyond Orlando. And uh, we'll be here when we get through this pandemic and lead tours once again. You know, Rick, I'm, I'm sure that there's no answer. Nobody can see through a crystal ball at this one. But let's take a stab at recovery because probably nobody has more insight than you do. What is it going to look like and, and how is what we're going through going to change the travel industry? Well, you know, um, social distancing and Rick Steves travel are opposites. Um, I don't go to Europe to sit in a bubble and not get a germ. I, I go to Paris to get kissed on the cheeks. Uh, I go to Rome to gather in the piazza with the crowds and then to do the passeggiata, you know, licking my uh, my gelato. I go to Ireland to go into a pub on the west coast of Ireland where they stand in the bluff and they gaze out at the Atlantic and they say, ah, oh, the next parish over is Boston. I go into that pub to um, to, to sit close to people, uh, people who they say, are, you know, strangers are just friends who've yet to meet. Now, I think that's going to come back, that kind of normalcy, but it'll take a while. And uh, I think we need to be patient in the interim. You could gather all the experts in the world from the tourism industry together. They don't know any better than you and I do about what's going to, how this is going to play out. Right now, Europe is spiking again. Right now, America has no leadership on getting a grip on this pandemic. Right now, we're belittling science. You know, I think we need to be uh, patient. I think we need to be diligent. We need to get a grip on this. Uh, we got to take a pause. Um, and my big fear is the rest of the world's going to be traveling and crossing borders, but they're not going to want Americans there because we're still the dangerous ones. So we have a little um, work to do right here at home. But I do think that travel is going to come back. I wouldn't be investing in my staff, assuming we're going to need a staff in the future if I didn't believe that. And I'm spending a lot of money to keep my staff together. Uh, it'll come back incrementally. Uh, first, there'll be individuals traveling, uh, individuals that are really motivated. I just had a cousin in Norway that flew to the Greek Isles because she loves the Greek Isles and she knows she's got a 10-day quarantine waiting for her when she gets home. That was okay for her. I don't think that's okay for most people, but eventually it'll lighten up and individuals will be traveling. And the last thing to come back will be organized bus tours like mine and, and big organized tourism. But that'll happen too. Again, incremental. Right now when people you know push me to say, what do I expect? I would expect nothing uh, in the rest of this year, uh, nothing in the spring of 2021, a very fragile check out the water coming back next summer, a little bit of tourism, a little bit of we'll do a few bus tours in the fall of 2021, 2022. I think we're going to have a break even year and then it'll be uh, tentative and so on. And uh, that'll be exciting because the end will, the, the light will be at the end of the tunnel. Right now we're in a tunnel, but we can't see any light. And then 2022, I think we'll be uh, rocking again. What will tourism be like? Uh, I think it'll be essentially this. It'll be essentially the same with compromise. It's, I think it's like airports. If you think of an airport before terrorism, you know, you had these vast lobbies that were just wonderful and wide open. And then you'd go with your loved ones right to the gate. Now, of course, we have, we've even forgot about those vast lobbies. There's no more vast lobbies. They're completely junked up with all this security apparatus, TSA stuff, which is necessary. And we say goodbye to our loved ones at the curb. But we still go to the airport and we still use it in a relatively efficient way to go flying places. I think we'll go back to Europe. My beat is Europe, but traveling in general. And it'll be essentially the same, but it's going to take time. I am not going to retool my whole tour program to accommodate this interim period when we're not really traveling again. I'm just going to lay low, be patient. Patience is not an American forte. It's not a Rick Steves forte. But right now it needs to be. And then in time we'll be traveling again. 
We are talking uh, to Rick Steves, uh, you know, a great opportunity, rare opportunity to get his insight on what exactly is happening right now, because, you know, it has impacted so many of us. And I think, Rick, you're right. When we come back and when we feel comfortable, we're going to come back with a vengeance because, you know, I, I think we all realize how important travel is to us. And when you're faced, it's kind of like hot water. When you don't have it, you realize how important it is. I cannot wait to book my next trip. You know, I was just thinking about that because I'm not even going very, very far around here as I'm hunkering down. But uh, when I do get on the freeway and I get up to 60 miles an hour, it's like, you know, <laughs> it's exciting. And a couple of times I've driven over the Cascade Mountains here uh, east of Seattle and it just feels good. And people are going to want to spread their wings. And Europe is certainly going to be offering a warm and enthusiastic welcome when we get through this. But again, we've got to be patient. This, you don't go through your whole lives without something that derails your life for a couple of years. We thought we could. I've had 65 years of no derails. If I was born in uh, 1900, think about it. I would have had, when I was 14 years old, World War I, 18 years old, the Great Pandemic, 29 years old, the Depression, and 39 years old, I've had Hitler in World War II. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, right now, we've got 2020. So relax. It's a couple of years. Do things differently. I've been getting more media in the last six months than ever before. It's ironic. I'd love the, the uh, interest I'd get from big magazines and so on during my normal time when I can make some money. But now they're all curious. I was just in Forbes this week. You know, I was just in Time magazine. I was in the New York Times daily podcast. And uh, I'm I'm hunkered down out here in Seattle. I'm pretty much uh, under the radar for most big time media like that. But they want to know what's it like for the travel guy stuck at home. And I've been sharing, just kind of thinking out loud about how I've been exercising my traveler's spirit right here at home. And it's a beautiful thing. And it's a, it's a philosophy. You know, a good traveler is curious. A good traveler celebrates getting out of his or her comfort zone. A good traveler has a positive idea. A good traveler wants to adapt and change and celebrate different things and come home with a broader perspective. You can implement that sort of mindset right in your own community. And I've been doing that. I've been, you know, I've had a very, I don't regret it, but I've had a very focused life. All I do is travel. I've spent a third of my adult life living out of a nine by 22 by 14 inch carrying the airplane size suitcase overseas. I love it, but it squished a lot of things that other people get excited about out of my life. And now I can check those out. I've never really appreciated the beauty of having dogs to take on a walk or cuddle with as you're watching TV. Now I do. I've never enjoyed cooking. I just bought a set of new knives and I'm thrilled. I've got sharp knives. My kids are saying, my kids are saying, who is this guy? Um, but I'm trying different things. I'm, I'm playing the piano more. I'm, uh, for me, every sunset is a devotional. I'm much more tuned in to the, the fragility of our environment, the importance of taking care of our community, the importance of good governance. Um, this is a very valuable time during this COVID time for us to take a pause and assess where we are, what are our values, and how do we want our society, our community to be when we come out of this? And talk about new experiences, Rick. I saw you on another interview. I got to bring this up because I think it really, it, it, it shows how human you are. Is one of the reasons we love you. Not only are you cooking, is this like the first time you ever used an oven? And not only do you have new knives, but you never cut an onion in your right. life or boiled pasta before. Rick, what's wrong? Yeah, no, that that I, I sort of downplay that out because I do think it sounds like I'm just a, a freak. I never cut an onion, but it's not because I've got servants. It's just because I'm just very 
simple on my nutrition. I just picnic. I picnic in Europe and I picnic at home and I'll eat leftovers and I don't complain about it. Uh, but now, yeah, I, you know, every, when you do something for the first time, you don't realize you've never done it until you do it for the first time. And then you go, whoa, I've never done this before. And I'll never forget cutting through an onion. And I just thought, oh, I've never done this. I've never been comfortable with my oven. I've never been comfortable with making pasta or just the wonder of, of, of soup. My girlfriend and I are just experimenting with soup. You just open the refrigerator door and you think, what's, what's on the push list? Let's put it in that soup. And uh, these are just simple little joys. Uh, you know, Italians, when they sit down to dinner, they talk about the ingredients. I just love that. I was sort of envious about it. Now, when I sit down to dinner, we talk about the ingredients. We talk about how we made it together. We talk about what we want to eat and cook tomorrow night. That's, that's just another dimension of life. It's not that everybody should do that any more than that everybody should travel. It's just there are these dimensions of life that we can embrace. And right now, travel is no longer an option. So that's okay. That's a blessing because now I have that spirit. I've got that energy, that curiosity, that love of life. Let's try it with something else. Let's, let's, before going to bed, let's sit down at the piano in the dark and play chords and just see where they go. Make up chords, make up resolutions, just see where they take you, you know, dust off old passions, uh, celebrate life. We can do that. And then when we get out of this thing, maybe we'll realize there's more to life than increasing its speed. You see, from a philosophical point of view. I, I'm able to learn a little more about myself now that I'm in a different world. I, I'm a, I think I'm addicted to productivity. I'm a workaholic, and uh, and I, I think this is just therapy for a workaholic. Uh, this pandemic, this is kind of like God's way of saying, "Hey, slow down," you know. Uh, and uh, we need to we need to be mindful. And then our challenge is, if we have all these highfalutin, better understandings of what's important in life, when we get the freedom to go pedal to the metal again that we remember those things that we thought maybe we were neglecting during normal times. And then we can come out of this COVID period uh, a little better for it. No doubt about it. What's made Rick Steves as successful as he is, is his attitude, his ability to shift and adapt and to find the value in just about any situation. When we come back, we'll get some personal insights into who Rick Steves really is. The conversation continues. This is Growing Boulder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by... Turning 64 is a time to celebrate as new adventures and opportunities await. And 64 is also a time to think about Medicare. Growing Boulder created a guide that helps explain it all. Available for free at growingbolder.com slash Medicare. Growing Boulder TV is back for its seventh season on public television, and it is bolder than ever. All new episodes begin airing weekly on WUCF Saturday mornings at 9.30, beginning May 8th. You're listening to Growing Boulder, where we just heard travel expert Rick Steves talk about how to face this situation and nearly every situation in order to make the best of everything that comes our way. Let's continue the conversation now as Rick reveals a few fascinating things about himself. Mark? 
What a delight. Uh, and what a side of you, Rick, that, that, that people should see, be, because if I may, it is very much on brand. Uh, uh, it, it, to me, it just reinforces the authenticity mm-hmm. of Rick Steves, because we're talking about something entirely different than travel. But what you are talking about yeah. is what you bring forth in travel, and that is mindfulness. Um, you know, it, it really is, you know, thank mm-hmm. you for sharing that side of you. Uh, and if it's not too personal, you're, you're 64 years old now. Uh, you know, it's what a laugh that 65 is retirement age. But but what are your thoughts about, you know, the next 10 or 20 years? What are you going to be doing? You know, um, the saddest thing about reaching retirement age is your friends, your co-workers start to retire. And uh, but but if you're as blessed as me to love your work and, and find that your work gets you out of bed in the morning and it gives you energy and it gives you constant creative challenges, I, I don't I could retire a long time ago and uh, I'm just in a luxurious position now where I can do what I think is uh, meaningful and gratifying and ethical and inspirational and so on. And I really believe in the value of travel. I, I just think um, there's so many reasons that we should be traveling. And we, when we come out of this pandemic, it's more important than ever. And I'm in a position now where I can um, tackle more maybe high-minded uh, projects. Uh, we just did our show about the, the roots of hunger and the importance of development aid, whether you want to love your neighbor or whether you just want to be in a, in a safer and more stable world. It's an important pragmatic invest, investment. So I spent a lot of time and money in the last year producing a one-hour special called Hunger and Hope, Lessons Learned in Ethiopia and Guatemala, something I've wanted to do forever. I didn't do it to make money. I did it because I love to teach the value of travel and I've got the time and the wherewithal to do that. And I've got other projects cooking right now um, that I can hardly wait to dive into. So I have no retirement in my future. It is um, possible as only as long as I'm physically able to travel. And I am becoming aware that it's a little more demanding physically to keep up the tempo and travel because it's grueling to be hiking around Europe all over the place and updating guidebooks, leading tours, making TV shows, doing that research. Uh, but it, it honestly, it keeps me younger and, and more enthusiastic and more energetic. I, I go to Europe my staff always says, oh, we want a day off every week. And I go, okay, you're mortals. But I'm just insane about travel. I, for me, when I travel, it's, it's breathing straight oxygen. And uh, I, I, work, I work 60, 12-hour days in a row. And uh, I feel better when I get home than, <laughs> than when I left. I, I uh, take really good care of myself. I eat well. I get my eight hours of sleep. Um, but for me to be working and producing is good medicine. You know, Rick, one of the reasons you're able to do these things where I think others can't is you, you've really changed the way a lot of us look at travel. You know, we generally think travel, places to go, things to see, but you've pulled that away because it seems to us that your whole thing is people. And it's people that most of us would think of as ordinary, but when you, when you see them and when you get to experience them, meet them, right. learn about their culture, you find out even the ordinary are extraordinary. You know, that's interesting you say that because I just wrote this amazing book. <laughs> and it is called For the Love of Europe. And I locked myself down last year. Is that a nice little ad? Look at that. The <laughs> slow tilt. Uh, <laughs> I, I locked myself down last year to write this book. Uh, it's a collection of my 100 favorite articles, my favorite people, places, and experiences in Europe, a 400-page book. 
And I locked myself down last year because I really wanted to share the most beautiful memories, just the greatest hits of a lifetime of traveling through Europe. And what I'm wired to make travel guidebooks. So I had to work really hard to cull through this and and comb out all of the guidebooky stuff, what we called guidebooky stuff, and just make it stories and moments, you know, and what is the pithy magic of travel. And I did it last year. And then I thought when this pandemic hit, oh, I could have locked myself down this year and done it. And it would have been kind of a twofer. But I'm glad I locked myself down last year to do it because it is the perfect book for this um, pandemic lockdown kind of time because it's perfect for people trying to keep their travel dreams alive while they can't travel. So that's been, oh, and when I, I guess what I was getting at, uh, to make the last chapter, I thought, how am I going to sum this thing up? So I swept through the whole book, read through it one last time, and I realized the overarching lesson is the importance of people. People is the measure of a good trip. How many people do you, do you meet? That's what carbonates the experience. And when I'm leading a tour, when I'm uh, making a TV show, writing a guidebook, or just going on vacation, the mark of a job well done is how am I connecting people with people? My great fear about COVID is that it's the little mom and pops that are going to be falling by the wayside because they don't have the economic wherewithal to get through this difficult time. Whereas the big chain organizations and the giant corporations, they have the wherewithal to get through it. So when we get through this, I just want it to be more than Subway sandwiches and Amazon. I want to have those wonderful, creative, edgy little mom and pops, those idealistic um, cafes, restaurants, guest houses, museums, and so on. And that's my concern. Uh, I've just finished a, a TV show called Why We Travel. <clears throat> and um, it's a love note to travel. I just finished the, re, uh, the soundtrack of it yesterday. It'll air on public television all over the country in a few weeks, Why We Travel. And it'll be streaming on my website at Rick Steves. If you ever want to tune into a Rick Steves show, everything we've ever produced is on my website for free. Just go to the TV section and you can click and watch it. But Why We Travel kind of talks about how there's three kinds of travelers. There's tourists, there's travelers, and there's pilgrims. And they're all fine. Uh, and you can do a mix. But it's important to realize that a tourist is just kind of has a bucket list. They want to have fun. They want to check off famous things. A traveler wants to learn. A traveler wants to get out of his or her comfort zone and try something different and learn. And a pilgrim understands that you learn more about yourself and your home when you leave your home and you look at it from a distance. A, travel, a pilgrim travels to learn more about him or herself. And I just love all of those kinds of travel and we can mix them together. But what I celebrated there was just why we travel. And it really is um, time and money well spent, especially in these day and age. Well, you took the, the, the guidey part out of this book. Uh, Rick, I think you could take travel out altogether. And if you've already written this kind of book, forgive me. But, you know, listening to you, I think you're a philosopher on life. So, so let me ask you to take travel out of this answer altogether. Uh, and, and if people are the measure of a good trip, what is the measure of a good life? What's the moral of the story? What can we learn about life in general from you? Well, I guess uh, something that... My tourists have taught me is it's never too late to have a happy childhood hmm. and age only matters if you're a cheese. <laughs> um, so we don't want to be have a youthful kind of uh, get out of your comfort zone enthusiasm for things. Uh, Americans are really um, hung up on success and they are quick to let other people to define success for them. And I don't think if you let other people define success for you, you're not really successful. I think you need to give some thought of what is to you successful and then embrace life with gusto 
embrace life with abandon and on your terms, live your life in a way that when you look back on it, it's a success. And, uh, you know, I've, I'm thankful that I found my mission. I found my niche. We live in a world where we're privileged enough to enjoy the luxury of pursuing our niche. And I'm lucky that my niche is actually can be good business. And I can dedicate my life to this business in a focused kind of out of balance workaholic way. And I've uh, run that little artful gauntlet of turning your passion into a business. And it still is your joy and your passion. Mm -hmm. So I'm lucky I can be successful as a travel writer, as a person whose mission is to inspire Americans to get out there, get out of your comfort zone, venture beyond Orlando and come home with what I think is the most beautiful souvenir. And that's a broader perspective. Um, as a Christian, I really believe that the world is filled with equally precious children of God. And when we travel, we get to know the family. And um, for me, that's just a joy. And um, I'm just, I'm looking forward to a lot more travels to come. And I'm hoping that this COVID time is just a nice pause for us to, to stay home a little while. This is my first year home in 40 years. This is my first summer in Seattle. My first birthday at home in, in almost 40 years. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm thinking I wouldn't have had that otherwise. And I think I've made the most of it. I'm keenly aware of how privileged I am and how this is not a time for people to learn how to cook for a lot of time people. It's just a time to figure out how do we keep a roof over our head? So we need to be mindful of that. And, um, we need to work together as a community to get through this. Well, Rick, we've had guest after guest on this program over the years. And the one thing that we hope to take away from them is a, a look at the world from their perspective. Everybody has a journey of their own. And, and we just want to thank you so much for being able to articulate yours. It's, it's, mm. it's one of connection. And it's one of, of understanding that we all have worth wherever we're from. And, and because of the big mix, we're all the better off for experiencing all we can. Look, since a lot of us aren't so sure we'll be venturing off anytime soon, I do want to remind you, you can watch Rick Steves Europe, as he mentioned. His shows are on his website for free. You can learn more about his book, which I'm sure is amazing. I'm very interested in that now as well. And those shows, they're the next best thing to be in there. So if we got to stay home, that's the way to do it. And how about that high-tech pan of the book? <laughs> There's no better way to, to get that in there. Rick Steves is an amazing guy. You can see why his shows are popular. It's because the guy's a human and he makes a connection wherever he goes. You can keep up with all of those things at ricksteves.com. Thanks so much for being on our show. Hey, it's been a delight. You guys are great to share these ideas with. And I'll just with, wish you and all of your viewers happy travels, even if we're just staying home for a little while. Up next, did you know how you fall asleep makes a big difference in how well you sleep? We'll have some tips that you can try this evening. This is Growing Boulder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by... Protected income from an annuity can help cover essential expenses in retirement, giving you the freedom to live the life you want. The right financial professional can show you how. Learn more at protectedincome.org. And by... The Center for Health and Well-Being, now open in Winter Park. Wholeness, fitness, and medicine together in one convenient location offering programs and services to promote healthy living and positive aging. More at yourhealthandwellbeing.org. 
Everybody in life likes to feel like they're growing bolder, living as best they can. But the reality is there are a lot of us who struggle, who need support, who face many difficult obstacles. No one sees this reality more clearly than Medicare case managers do, so we reached out to one. My name is Wendy Weiss, and I am the director of our Medicare case management uh, at Florida Blue. I've been a nurse since 2004. I was in the business world before before that and have kind of an uh, analytical-type background. Um, But when I started as a nurse, uh, I worked in the OR and then transitioned into home care nursing. So that was my love. Uh, That was my passion is being in homes. Um, It was, they were Medicare, uh, you know, uh, over 65 uh, Medicare beneficiaries. And I never knew what I was walking into um, and saw many things that um, were just horrible and many beautiful things too. So that, that became my passion and being in the home and being able to see how elderly people live and how they struggle and um, what some of their um, issues are and being able to solve, help them solve those problems uh, felt good to me. I was helping them, but in a sense I was helping myself too because I left work every day feeling like I had accomplished something. I think as we age, at least the way it's been for me, is you start to develop more confidence um, in who you are and maybe some wisdom um, about the world around you and perhaps care a little bit less about what other people think um, and start exploring what it is that you as an individual are all about and hopefully begin to share that with the people that you love. I think it's communication. The, the, the story here is that we want our members to be healthy. We want our community to be healthy um, and to be happier. And especially in this environment where people are stuck in their houses um, and feel isolated and concerned about what the future holds and fear for their own health and um, praying that they don't get COVID or someone they love doesn't get COVID. We want them to know that we are here, that we will answer the phone, we will talk them through it, we will help them find available resources. There are many people like Wendy Weiss and organizations out there that offer all kinds of resources that can help you live your best life. And some of those are listed at growingbolder.com slash Medicare. Hey everybody, this is Growing Boulder. I'm Bill Schaefer. How are you doing today? Are you feeling all right? Did you get enough sleep? Because if you didn't, you know, you can be a real bear sometimes. Sleep is a strange thing, isn't it? Does anybody out there, do any of you really think that you ever get enough? No, none of us do. We all wish that we could get more, but sometimes you just can't. You lay there and you lay there and you can't fall asleep. Well, help is on the way. Catherine Nikolai can put anybody to sleep. In fact, she's the host of a big-time podcast called Nothing Much Happens. And I love this because she's kind of described as the architect of coziness, creator of soothing stories that ease the reader into dreamland. So let's wake up and say hi to Catherine Nikolai. Catherine, wow, what a thing to have people say about you. That doesn't happen by accident. So start off, I guess, first of all, how many hours of sleep did you get last night? 
I got a solid eight. I always say I sleep like it's my job. Eight hours, show up on time and don't take breaks. Now, were you always like that or were you like the rest of us going, man, I just never get enough? No, I've, I've, I've done this my whole life. This idea of using storytelling to fall asleep. It's one of my earliest memories when I was four years old. So I feel like I have this superpower. I can sleep when it's time to go to sleep. I can fall back to sleep if I wake up in the middle of the night. And I kept thinking, how do I share this with other people? And that's how the podcast started. Now, you know, you know what I love about your approach, your podcast, your book and everything. It's not just about one thing. You're about more than helping us fall asleep. You you kind of combine all these different ingredients into sort of a, a sleep stew. You use yoga and meditation and storytelling as a way to teach us basically how to train our brain to fall asleep, to be healthier, to be better off when we're awake. Is, is that a fair assessment? Absolutely. I've been a full-time yoga teacher for 17, 18 years now. And so I realized that, and the way I teach yoga also uses quite a bit of storytelling. So I felt like I was kind of the perfect person for this. I could bring these aspects of mindfulness using sensory detail information. I could use my voice. I could use storytelling to create sort of this really soft landing place for people at the end of the day. Because when you can't sleep at night, it's not because you're not tired. It's because your mind is still spinning and we need to find a nest to lay it in. So that's really how my stories work. It's kind of an interesting topic too, because I I think we're all interested in it, but there are probably a lot of us at first who bristle when you're sleeping. Nah, you're doing it all wrong. Is, Is there really a right and a wrong way to go to sleep? Absolutely not. And people shouldn't feel like, you know, there's don't double down by thinking I'm doing it wrong. You know, a lot of times I'll say on the podcast, especially if you wake up in the middle of the night, don't panic. (laughs) That's the first rule of thumb. You know, we're going to get you back to sleep. Everything's going to be fine. There's um, a million ways to approach this. And I just think that storytelling is a really pleasurable one. You know, sometimes people advise that people meditate before bed. And I'm a long time meditator and I meditate daily and teach it. But Sometimes there's something about it that kind of feels like a chore and there's something so pleasurable about being read a story or reading one yourself. So I don't think there's a right and a wrong way, but I do hope that the book will give people some tools. Well, I'm not so sure. I mean, you've got so much energy and so much charisma here that I'm thinking you get way too much meditation. Does anybody meditate too much? You know, maybe I need to back it up. (laughs) Back it up a little. You need a little. I recommend a little more stress, Catherine. (laughs) Hey, you, you mentioned a couple of times, you mentioned the podcast, Nothing Much Happens, which really has, has taken off like wildfire. Can you tell us a little bit about why you started a podcast and how you found such a connection with an audience? I started the podcast first. I'd always hoped it would be a book, but being sort of a layperson, not connected to the publishing industry, I just had no idea how to start. So I was actually up in the middle of the night, ironically, with a sick dog. <laughs> and I'm sitting there on the floor with my dog and I thought, oh, it's a podcast. Like it's a very accessible form to get into. I was, and I ordered a microphone while I was sitting on the floor and we launched six weeks later. And almost immediately I started from hearing, hearing from people all over the world who told me not only 
only were they off their sleep meds for the first time in years, were they sleeping when they thought they never would be able to sleep, but they were also using the podcast to help them work through anxiety, night terrors, PTSD. That's the side of it I never quite saw coming. And I'm so grateful that I'm able to offer people that safe place. People told me I used to be afraid to go to bed at night and now I look forward to it. That's a huge thing. I'm, it's so satisfying. And not only that, I'm really, really glad you brought that up because, you know, a lot of people, I'm sure you've done a lot of these interviews and I'm sure a lot of them are tongue in cheek, but sleep when you can't do it and you can't fall asleep. I mean, it can be, it can be one of the most horrible things you have to face. It, it affects everything. It affects everything from your mental health, to your physical well-being, your relationships, your work, even how, you know, food that you eat, exercise, what you're able to do. It's all dependent on this foundation of getting a good night's sleep. So I feel like it's one of those things that if we could shift it, it actually would have a profound effect on so many people. And that's what I hear from my risk, my listeners and my readers is that, boy, I feel like a different person. So many people have said to me, you saved my life. And that is a huge feeling and a great honor. And, you know, for some people, that's no joke either. So whether you're the kind of person who just kind of gets tired of laying there and, and you wish you could fall asleep quicker, or if you're someone who really, really needs to be able to sleep and just can't, this book it, is great. I mean, it's it, it's almost like, you know, when you were a kid, you couldn't wait to get a, a storybook and, and see what yeah. the new story. It's almost like a storybook for, for grownups. But the, the stories really are soothing, peaceful, calming. And you do, in a way, without even intending to, you sort of teach us how to clear our minds and how to really, something we don't do, relax. Yeah, it's something that we aren't trained to do as an adult, which is strange, you know. Um, we think about the things that we're trained to do in high school and college that maybe have ne we've never applied, but who's teaching us like how to work with our anxiety and how to establish like a calm, quiet mind? That's been left off the plate, but it's a really essential part of mental well-being. So you're right, I am sliding those lessons in and trying to do it in a way that feels really pleasurable, that feels sort of nostalgic. You know, we had picture books and storybooks when we were kids, but why shouldn't we have them as adults? I think that they're still lovely and things that I want to have on my bedside table. So kind of why I wrote it in the first place was it was something I personally wanted. So I thought I'll write it myself. You know, Catherine, I think a lot of us read, you know, a lot of people fall asleep different ways. Um, yeah. Reading is pretty popular, but these days too, a lot of people will turn the TV on or they'll pop into bed with the iPad and, you know, yeah. sit there and, and scroll and wonder why they can't fall asleep. Are some of those better than others? And are some of them just not the right thing to do? I mean, I think we all know, even without like the neuroscientists telling us that the endless scrolling is really, really bad for us. Yeah. It's just eating us up because not only is it keeping us awake, the stuff that we are consuming is it's at a certain point, it's just becoming poisonous to us. So, um, but even, you know, with, TV at my mom used to be sort of one of those people who had to watch a couple of episodes of something to fall asleep. But now she's a podcast listener. And my dad is very grateful. because It's a lot more peaceful uh, way to fall asleep at night. So I think that there are levels some sort of on the spectrum of good to bad, um, probably that endless scrolling that has no stopping point being the worst. And on the other side of it, reading something that actually makes you feel better, probably the best. You know, you brought your parents up, and that kind of reminds me of an interesting 
uh, I guess, wives' tale, maybe. The people tell you all the time, they go, oh, the older you get, the less sleep you need. Don't worry about it. That's just normal. In, in your experience, is that true? Or do we still need uh, a restful, strong sleep? I think it's more of a person to person basis than based on age or anything like that, because there's so many other factors in your life that might be exhausting you more, fatiguing you more, and you might need more rest than the other person. And I think that's okay. You know, everybody has their own needs and you don't need to rank yourself anywhere. If you find, you know, you're retired, but you still want to sleep nine hours a day, you get the the note, a good note from me. You just opened the door for me to walk into this. I downloaded one of those uh, sleep uh, apps, the mm-hmm. tracking thing, and I cannot put this away. I'm constantly <laughs> looking at it. I'm I'm comparing myself. It's almost like a competition with, well, how did I did better than last week? Are those things helpful, or also, I mean, I mean, am I over obsessing about it? Yeah, there's actually quite a bit of science now to show that the more we track stuff, the less we enjoy it. And we track everything now, every bite of food and every step you take. So my wife's the same way. She has like a ring that measures all these things about her sleep every night. And then she gets a sleep score and she checks it in the morning. And sometimes we are just overthinking this a little bit. Sometimes people have said to me, did you consult a lot of experts about how to sleep? And I went, no, it's sleeping. It's like the most basic thing we're supposed to do. We, I mean, like we shouldn't need to be told <laughs> how to work this stuff. So you might be overthinking that just a bit. Oh, we'd love to do that, though. It's like, did they tell you how many times you should chew your food before you swallow? You know, we, we, we love instruction. <laughs> we do. Hey, the book is, is great also. I don't want to leave people with the impression it's just the stories. I mean, there's really cool stuff in there, too. In the back, there are also... Uh, yeah, there's tips on how to breathe and, and, and you talk about food and, and recipes and things like that. Um, what makes a story cozy and calming and maybe what makes another story not qualify to be in the book? Um, I always think of it kind of like a recipe. There is going to be an element of nostalgia and recognizability. Even if it's a nostalgia for something you haven't yourself experienced, it's familiar and you can appreciate it. Then there's going to be an element of the subject matter itself, enjoyable, comforting, calming, and then quite a bit of sensory detail. Because there's not a lot of action, this is sort of how I do my storytelling, through the details of how things smell or taste or look. And those just so happen to line up with sort of the infrastructure of mindfulness meditation too. So the stories are about, they take you through the seasons and there's stories about things like stealing lilacs from an abandoned farm in the spring or hearing a concert in the park in the summertime or going to the cider mill in the fall or watching the city tree go up in December. These really pleasurable, lovely experiences. And then we lean into all those senses so that when you go to sleep and you pull the blanket over your shoulder, you close your eyes, you can think back through like, how did that cider taste and what did it smell like there. And that's what's going to shift your brain and let you fall asleep. Yeah, I think that's what you've done is you've kind of created a uh, a medicine, a tonic. I'm thinking, trying to think of the right word for your mind. It isn't just the sleep thing. It just these stories, the book, you hold the book, it, it makes you feel better. <laughs> it does. The cover's great. The illustrations are cool. And and boy, we sure need more of that. And Catherine, you're awesome. It, if, if there's um, like one message that you hope we remember, because sometimes, you know, two minutes later, you forget what you just heard in a 10 minute interview. What's the main point? What should we take away from our visit with you today? No matter what your sleep history has been like in the past, you can change it. 
it is possible to shift it. it takes a little bit of practice. It takes some setting some boundaries, um, but it is absolutely possible to get better sleep, to feel better during the day, be more awake when you're awake and more peaceful at night. So don't give up, go out, get some help, grab the book, listen to the podcast. It can get better. Isn't she fun folks? I, I feel better just listening to her talk, having a conversation. You feel like an old friend, Catherine, to find out more about sleep through the book and the podcast and to learn more about Catherine Nikolai herself, just go to nothingmuchhappens.com and start your way towards a more restful mind, a better attitude, and just a greater enjoyment of life. Catherine, thanks so much. Thank you. This has been a great discussion. Up next, nationally renowned geriatrician Bill Thomas on Shedding Illusions. This is Growing Boulder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by... Winter Park's new Crosby Wellness Center at the Center for Health and Well-Being. More than just a gym, it features unique medically integrated programs, activities for all ages and skill levels, and free group exercise classes with memberships. More at CrosbyWellnessCenter.org. Stay connected to Growing Boulder for daily doses of hope, inspiration, and possibility. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for our latest stories and motivational pictures. When was the last time you thought about Social Security? For those of us at or nearing retirement, it is more important all the time. Social Security is one of only three sources of protected income guaranteed for life and has been for over 80 years. That's why you need to be aware of the changes. This year, beneficiaries received a 1.3% cost of living adjustment. The modest increase reflects last year's relatively low inflation rate. The full retirement age for Social Security was increased by two months each year until age 67. So if you turn 62 this year, your full retirement age is 66 years and 10 months. And that's important because there's a 29.2% reduction in benefits if you claim Social Security at 62 instead of waiting until 67. Even at best, Social Security only accounts for up to 40% of your pre-retirement income. To bridge that gap in protected income, talk to the right financial professional about adding an annuity. The Alliance for Lifetime Income is a nonprofit educational organization that believes no American should have to face the prospect of running out of money in retirement. They provide easy-to-understand information, tools, and guides, and stories of real people who have protected their retirement, allowing them the freedom to live bold lives. More information at protectedincome.org. It's time for Mark's On My Mind segment, where he helps cut through the clutter to point out the things that really matter. Mark? You know, there's a lot of clutter in my mind today, Bill. And you know what I've been thinking about lately, because I have to, we, we, we both have to every single day is growing bolder and the growth of growing bolder. And, you know, folks, we're growing bolder on the radio right now. Uh, growing bolder was, was really the first media product launched in 2006, right along with the, the website. 
And it, it's been tough for years. Bill and I, we call ourselves GBOGs. We're original gangsters, uh, you know, w- with this group. Uh, but it is amazing, Bill, the growth that we are experiencing recently. Recently, We've tripled our staff in the last few months. Our magazine is now the largest lifestyle magazine that's published here in Florida. We've got 160,000 subscribers. Uh, our television show is, is nationally. It's on every major market in the state of Florida. It's, it's, it's a really exciting time. But, you know, what's most exciting is that it is helping us spread our message. And, and the message, folks, as you know, it is, is pretty much that it's not too late. Uh, turning 50 and 60 and 70 and 80 is not the beginning of the end. It's the beginning of what's next. And we see ordinary people who are discovering what's next for them, even into their 90s, people that are starting brand new things. And, and I hope you guys get what we're trying to tell you is that whatever you choose to do with the rest of your life is up to you. It's all valid. You don't have to become a master's athlete. You don't have to write a book. You don't have to, you know, take up dance or learn a new language. You can sit on the couch and quilt if, if that's what floats your boat. But the important thing to realize is that time is precious. Relationships are valuable. And what a gift it is to be able to live another year. You know what's interesting about Growing Boulder, Mark, and what you've created here is that you, on the face of it, people listen and they go, well, that's obvious. But it really isn't because we've been conditioned. We've been raised to believe that the older we get, the less valuable that we are. We've been taught to fear getting older because, gee, that's when your knees are going to get sore, your back is going to hurt, your memories are going to start to fade. But the truth is it doesn't have to be like that. It's the things we do today, the choices we make right now that play a part in determining how we live out the rest of our lives. And this is exciting news. And what makes it more exciting is, folks, where else are you hearing this? Where are you hearing people encouraging you to do things instead of to sit down on the couch and turn Matlock on and wait for the inevitable? No, life is different now. You're the ones that are out there living differently than any other generation before. You're the ones that are showing the rest of us that a day in life in your 90s is as valuable as a day of life in your 20s. This is exciting. This is inspiring. And it's the kind of thing that we can all grab onto and live life better. Live the lives that we wanted. Fulfill our potential. Do things that we never thought possible. Well said, Mr. Schaefer. And, and you know, you, you said it doesn't have to be like that, which is absolutely true. But it will be like that if you don't change your belief system, if you don't change your mindset. Uh, and this is the, this is why what we say appears obvious to us, but uh, it is transformational, folks. You have to understand that what you imagine in your mind about the way you're going to age is is the reality uh, that that exists. And to Bill's point, we have been told that aging is a certain way, that every ache, that every pain, that every setback is, is the result of aging. And pretty soon we give up. But it doesn't have to be that way, but you have to change your belief system. You have to believe that more is possible. Yeah, and this is not to say there aren't obstacles. You bet there are. It's tough. It's not easy. But you know what? You made it this far. You can overcome those obstacles. You can learn to live with the cards that were dealt with. We've created families. We've created a life. This is the time when you draw upon that support network that you've created to live the best life you can for every day that you have. And 
And really, that's what we mean when we talk about Growing Boulder. want to remind you that Growing Boulder doesn't end with this program. It goes on 24-7 at growingboulder.com. Make sure you check it out, and Mark and I will see you right back here next time.